us again the story of Pai Mei setting fire to the Shaolin Temple, will you? Having learned that the rebels were using the Shaolin Temple as a cover for their activities, ordered priest Pai Mei to lead a raid upon the temple. Pai Mei's men surrounded the temple and set fire to it. In a bid to save his disciples, priest Chi San of the Shaolin Temple engaged priest Pai Mei in a duel to the death. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with expert timing. baby we set them up we knock them down with the pion pion pow pow and then we mash it up <laughs> wagwan everybody what's going on today hope you're having a great day so far i certainly am i am your buddy mortimer the magic man main they call me the main man double m all right the pirate of peace i'm coming here to play you the tracks as we work our way through the treehouse lounges extensive vinyl collection picking out one album at a time from my already curated collection and then i take it even deeper playing you the one or two tracks that i think are the best off of that good album that i went out and bought so that's how we do it up in here we lounge we chill we live we learn and we listen because i got the information coming at you today with a little band called deep purple that's right deep purple who my man deuce crack used to call deep perp he's like you got to check out the deep perp so today we're gonna check out the deep perp y'all but 
before we get to the music, we're going to talk about the movie that we watched while we were setting up the lounge today, all right? What do y'all know about Rodney Dangerfield? That guy, that low-brow, hilarious, drinking, gambling, joke-cracking, sleazy comedian, Rodney, who's dead now, R.I.P., he made a movie about how he was a coach of a girls' soccer team. Did you know that? Did you know about that? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. 1992. The peaceful 90s. The Berlin Wall had come down shortly before. Happiness, peace, and the triumph of capitalism spread across the land. Rodney Dangerfield was making kids' movies. This movie came out when I was in grade three. I remember talking about it with my homies, Country Keith and J-Dub. They had both seen it, but I hadn't. And the way they were talking about this movie really made me feel insecure that I hadn't seen the movie. But I had seen a movie that weekend. It was just at my dad's and I didn't remember the name of it, but I know it was filled with shooting and gun violence. And so I said to my friends, I haven't seen Ladybugs, but I have seen an even better movie. And then I pulled this lie. I said, it was called Shotgun. And it was like shooting the whole time, like machine guns and different guns. And it was just shooting and blasting. And I thought this would impress my friends because I assumed I could trick them into thinking that this movie Shotgun actually existed. And I remember them looking at me kind of just like, he's lying. And then I saw the movie Ladybugs and then I really liked it. And you know what? When we watched it today, I really liked it still. But it was crazy because this is like one of those classic Disney movies where they have the sexual innuendos loaded in for the parents. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, man. The whole, it's sexual innuendo after sexual innuendo, which is, you know, not something that you see much more these days, that type of comedy. But it'll make you laugh. It made me laugh. It's a pretty funny story. It was pretty funny that the language they used for, um, you know, when I was in grade three, it was asshole, son of a bitch, Jesus Christ, that bitch, God damn it. All this good, all these good swears, you know, that I maybe learned some of them from the movie. I don't know though. I had already been exposed to a lot of gratuitous violence and coarse language by nine years old. Oh yeah, they said holy shit too, which is pretty funny. Someone was like, holy shit, in this kid's movie. Anyways, moving on. You should see Ladybugs, it's pretty funny. Recommend. Moving on. Deep Perp. <laughs> Deep Perp, man. Formed in England in 1968. These guys were heavy rockers. A lot of people call them heavy metal pioneers. They sold over 100 million records, so they are legit. They were referred to as one part of the unholy trinity of British rock. How cool is that? They were in the unholy trinity with a couple of bands called Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. Right on. We'll be hearing some Led Zeppelin at some point when we get to the L's. We've already heard the Black Sabbath. Now today we get the Deep Perp. So it's kind of weird I learned today. At its inception, this band who almost was named Concrete God. Deep Purple was planned to be like a revolving door band where 
different musicians would come in and out and record and then leave and then make way for someone new and that was going to be the thing which is basically what happened uh, but I don't know if it if it worked out exactly like they planned but I will note here that in 2008 the band received the legend award from the world music awards so uh, legit legends but uh, despite all my research, I couldn't find any mention of them ever winning the Disney Legend Awards. So, suspect. Legend status, suspect. No, just kidding. I think these guys are legends. And I think when you hear the tunes, the sonic blasts, you're going to be like, whoa, I can hear heavy metal. I can hear Black Sabbath. I can hear the future. <laughs> so, without too much further ado, because these guys like to play long songs, let's get into the first one. Let's get into... My favorite. Let's get into some action. Let's get into Highway Star. Strap it in. Here we go.
Okay, there we go, man. That's Juice on Juice. That is Highway Star from 1972's major breakthrough release album, Machine Head. That's what we're listening to today. I have one deep perp record, and it is Machine Head, and I think that's the one to have. This was the band's sixth studio album. It's crazy. They, you know, that's how long they were grinding for before they broke out. Largely on the strength of that song that we just heard, which was track one, side one, by the way. They just bust onto the scene with that one. They were, you know, previously trying to find success, honing their lineup, honing their chops doing stuff like Neil Diamond covers and working with the British Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, which was pretty progressive and cool at the time. It was only them and a band called the Moody Blues who were working with uh, full orchestras. We'll be hearing from the Moody Blues when we get to the M's. But it wasn't until this one hit the streets that they really exploded as a band that people started talking about a lot. So let's talk about this album a little bit because it was pretty crazy. They went to Switzerland to record it and they planned to record it in this casino where they would actually have their whole setup with all their instruments and everything. And then the Rolling Stones, that band, had made, had commissioned and made a mobile recording studio. So a bus with all the electronic equipment needed to record, mix and master a record. But that plan was derailed because the casino that they were supposed to record in had previously been the venue for a Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention show. At that show, someone shot off a fucking flare gun inside and it burned the place down. (laughs) It burned the place down to the ground so they had to find a new venue, which luckily they did. And that's how we got this album. That Frank Zappa show where the fire happened was the night before recording was supposed to start. (laughs) So the band Deep Purple is sitting at a Swiss lakeside terrace bar and they see the fire of the place in the distance and they see the smoke from the fire coming over the water as it rolls toward them. That's where we get the name Smoke on the Water. This is their biggest hit. This is the one that they exploded with. This is the one that has that really memorable riff at the beginning that we're about to hear. This riff. Is an interpolation of Beethoven from Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, the opening to that, which we've heard previously on this show. That opening goes like this. But if you flip that around, you get something that sounds like
Okay, there it is. Smoke on the water. Man, if that song was a female country singer with really long hair, it'd be Juice Newton, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the juice, man. With the uh, Beethoven mixed in there. The bonafide musical genius of history. Doesn't that just blow your fucking mind? This is what we get when we take this journey together, this musical journey. So I've had another wonderful time today. I hope you did too. I hope you learned something nice. I hope you go on to enjoy the rest of your day with a smile on your face, knowing what we did here together today in under 30 minutes. (laughs) All right, everyone. I will be back tomorrow with more of this pure juice, but I will leave you with this parting thought. Plants like to listen to music. (laughs) Some plants grow better when they're exposed to music and the vibrations. All right. Feel my vibrations out there across the world today. Send yours back to me because I can pull them in with my receptors. Peace to all the gods and the earth but especially the earth. Peace to y'all. Each one teach one, baby. Bring it back here one time in 24 hours. I will have more of this good juice for you. And with that, the message is peace. The medium is the energy. I will see you tomorrow. Thank you.